0: Welcome to the Church Interpreting Podcast. My name is Lauren Albizu.
1: And I'm Jonathan Downey.
0: And on the show today...
1: This is the second episode from our most recent conversation on church interpreting. Today we're talking about how to respond to preachers who are a bit anxious about sharing the stage with an interpreter.
0: One thing I have found uh that... Creatures can struggle many times with having an interpreter, it's because they might be aff- uh, afraid of what the presence of the interpreter can do to their mm. message, how it affects them. Right. And so one thing that I always heard when I mentioned consecutive interpreting specifically mm. was interpreters are distracting. And when I hear that, it makes me think, are they really asking me whether people are going to focus more on their interpreter or than on them?
1: So I can speak from both sides of the mic here. (laughs) I don't think any of my preaching has been interpreted. I'm not sure. I would need to have a think about that. But I've been, I've preached, I've interpreted, and I've done talks where I have been interpreted. Don't know if I've preached in church and been interpreted yet. But there's a couple of things going on here. One, is consecutive interpreting a distraction? Yes. (laughs) Just, I mean, just, I'm just, not doing that deal with it. <laughs> Just deal with it. The other thing is, does it change how you preach? Yes. But the third point to that is, whose sermon is it anyway? Yeah. So, for example, if I start preaching and the Holy Ghost falls and demons start flying out of people and people get radically healed and I've not finished my sermon yet, am I going to be offended? No, I'm going to stand back and let God do what God wants to do so the implication of that is that my sermon isn't mine anyway it's god's and, and god does what god wants to do so if the sermon isn't mine then it's important that i don't take offense at what needs to be done for that sermon to be understood
0: mm-hmm.
1: i'm not saying interpreters are god i'm not saying interpreters of the holy spirit but if the sermon isn't mine doesn't belong to me anyway then my heart attitude has to be if this interpreter is there so that other people can understand, then let's do something with that. Let's not just accept that, let's make the best out of that. And some of the best preachers that I've seen work with consecutive interpreters have turned the sermon from a one-person show into a dance. And when they start realizing they can introduce rhythm, when they start realizing that they can introduce partnerships, you get a better sermon than you would if they'd just be monolingual.
0: And you engage more people because my big issue is that sometimes, yes, consecutive interpreting can be distracting, but sometimes it's your only choice, right? There are certain events where you cannot do simultaneous and you have to go for the easiest thing and you have to preach to the masses that are there. And so if you're leaving some out, You're going to really, I don't know, I feel like you're really, I can't find the word right now, but just not allowing the word to spread as it should.
1: And there are levels to this as well. So (laughs) I am currently writing a book which will come out next summer, more about this in about seven, eight months time. But one of the points I make about this is that the language choices a church makes, whether the church is aware of it or not, are political and theological statements. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have interpreting and you put the interpreter into a corner and tell them to go whisper in people's ears, that says something different about your theology and, I hate to say it, your politics than it does if you have the interpreter on stage. An interpreter on stage tells both audiences, assuming they're only two languages, that language matters. Mm Mm-hmm and that we equally value the people who speak all the languages. Now, the likelihood is it could be a purely technical decision that you can't do simultaneous, you know, there's too big a crowd or whatever. But the very fact you have a preacher and an interpreter together on stage talks about togetherness. So a smart, a preacher who's up with it would go, well, this is the sermon I'm preaching before I even start. Does that speak to the sermon that I had in my notes? During my PhD, I watch some preachers get that and some preachers treat the interpreter as if they were a stumbling block almost.
0: And then you think about we're th- we're talking about spoken languages because that's what we work in. Mm. But when you think about ASL, like sign mm. language, that there's no other option. They mm. have to be somewhere that where they can be seen, where they can be distracting in a sense, right? So that people can get the message, right? And if one thing I was reading about online is many times deaf uh, people can go into a church and feel like they're wholly unaccepted just because they're shunned into like a corner right and they seek a church that really values the language that they speak and the inclusion of them into mm-hmm. the congregation right and so that's something that can also be impactful of, like are you wanting to include them into the conversations and the sermons and everything that's going on in the church, or are we throwing them into kind of like a corner? How visible is the language that, the language that is spoken in the church?
1: So you balance these two things up. You have the honest thing that mm-hmm. from the point of view of the preacher, this is harder than doing a, a monolingual sermon. Yeah, And you accept that and you... I would argue, and I know some people disagree with me, but I would argue that on stage consecutive takes possibly more skill, but certainly a different set of skills than simultaneous. The simultaneous skills are basically you spend nine months learning to do sim in a classroom somewhere, and you can go do simultaneous. The techniques, as we said on the last episode, the techniques are pretty universal. How you apply them changes slightly, but the techniques are universal. On stage consecutive is very rarely appears in university training. And there's an artistry and a partnership to it that I'm not sure you could teach in a classroom because some of it is following the spirit and realizing that you've suddenly become uh, Jill Carlick and others call it the co-preacher. You're preaching with the preacher. And so and we've all seen it. You know, you get the really excited, extravagant, happy preacher and the interpreter who looks like like the dog's just died. And we've all seen it, and we're all aware of why that's happened because we know as interpreters, interpreting is hard, and interpreting with a smile on your face can actually be quite hard work. So you're acting as soon as you're on that stage, whether you like it or not. And you better know how to act. I would suggest that on stage interpreters need to learn how to preach.
0: Oh, no, that's one thing that is essential. You need to know how to, how to. Either way, all of us should know how to present the story of Jesus, right? That's like a basic narrative that we should have. Um, I'm not saying everybody needs to know how to act and knows how to preach, but you have a basis of narrative that you should know. And so if you want to do this consecutive interpreting in front of an audience and all these things, you have to move with with what the preacher is moving with. If not, then it falls into that, oh, they're a roadblock. Because you're not really working in the spirit, you're not really working in what the performance aspect of it is. I don't like saying performance. I was
1: waiting for that word to come because I, I have a I have a take on that. So but if you're on Christian Twitter X Elon Musk platform, mm-hmm. roughly once a month there will be a criticism of churches that are so slick that their worship is performance. Guess what? By any reasonable definition, so is yours. So performance, I did uh, drama and theater studies as part of my undergraduate degree. Performance, the most widely accepted definition of performance and performance studies is anything done purposefully in front of an audience where the actions mean more than just the physical movement. So I, I pointed out, like, if you're a parent and you brush your teeth in front of their kids to try and to encourage them to brush theirs, that's performance. If you sing a song in front of the church to try and encourage the congregation to sing too, that is also performance. When we break the bread and take the wine, that's also a form of performance. Performance isn't a dirty word. Where it becomes wrong is when the performance and the heart don't line up. And then you get scriptures like in Hosea and Isaiah where God said, you know, you're doing all this man-made worship. It's a farce because you're bringing me sacrifices and you're abusing the poor and the the widow and the foreigner and the orphan. That's when it's wrong. So you have the question, Charles Spurgeon, I believe it was, wrote a huge amount on the character of the preacher saying, don't you go preaching the gospel while you're deliberately living in sin yourself? Mm Mm-hmm so what should we be asking of interpreters especially those on stage who are preaching alongside the preacher and so maybe there is a place where the interpreting becomes a stumbling block if it ever becomes more about the interpreter than it does about the message that we're interpreting
0: yep i can't keep arguing with with preachers about how no this is something that's going to help you that's going to deliver the word to more people while also focusing on making sure that i sound the best (laughs) and i look the prettiest that's that's not going to help because i am being hypocritical about the points that i'm trying to make to them
1: have you ever interpreted a sermon and thought this sermon could be doing with being put on youtube and played at 75 percent speed i Mm -hmm. get excited i am scottish I like speaking quickly. But I've had to learn when I'm preaching that some points are McDonald's fries points that you can just give people straight away. And other points are slow cooker crock pot points that you need to let sit and develop. Well, on stage consecutive gives time for points to sit and develop. Yeah. And... Is there a space for the interpreters, for the very presence of the interpreter to force the preacher to slow down, to slow the thinking, to slow the message development?
0: Yes, I think that is a, a big, a, it's, a, it's a big help right there, honestly, um, helping them think it through and it feels a little conceited of me to be like oh you need to think through your message but at the same time sometimes you need to think about what you're saying and there's times in which like you said if you get excited you can just say things and then did it work was it the right way to say it did I really filter that through the right filters before it came out of my mouth right and sometimes having somebody interpret for you helps you to think of like wait how is this going to be said? How is this going to be incorporated, um, received? And that can be very good because, again, it it helps with that partnership that you have to build with the interpreter.
1: Have you ever had to check with preachers what they actually meant?
0: I don't do consecutive (sighs) because my church doesn't do it. (sighs) So So I've done it twice when we had a guest speaker um, and there were prayers, so that was easy.
1: (laughs) I started with On Stage Consec. That's the first time. The first time I ever interpreted was in the city centre of Brighton in the south of England at a youth conference. All the 200 people at the youth conference went to the city centre to do some street preaching. And this French guy taps me on the shoulder and says, uh, Tu parles francais, non? And I was like, Yeah, I speak French. And I interpreted his testimony in front of 200 young people and whoever was walking through the city centre. And that was my first time interpreting. And then a little bit later, I was in France for nine months and I did the entirety of the French to English at a youth conference on my own. And someone else did the English to French, all on stage, all with like zero prep. So I learned my technique there before I went to university to study. And I think I didn't know about partnership or performance. And I think if I were to go back and do it, and I think if I were to do on stage stuff now, I would be much more ready and would know what to expect a lot more
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the the biggest challenge that I found with on stage wasn't actually the interpreting itself but the fact that because you're visibly an interpreter you finish the 45 minute one hour sermon you're tired you need a rest you've worked for more than the recommendations say that you should work you're trying to get a rest and someone will tap you on the shoulder and say you're the interpreter can you interpret this conversation for me You don't, if you're in the booth, you get to sneak off and no one knows who you are. Unless
0: you're like my pastor who gives out my name every other weekend. And (laughs) now I am just the interpreter. I am nobody else, right? And I love it. Okay, don't get me wrong. It's great. It gives visibility to the ministry. It tells people we care about English speakers. But it also makes it so that when I come downstairs, people are like, hey, can you help me out?
1: let me guess after you've just done a service and mostly when it's the most emotional service that you've done for a while
0: yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) especially because then they're an altar call by the time I come down right so it's mostly the altar call and as easy as I might say prayer is I have to I'm like tired so now I have to be spiritually prepared for whatever's coming at me with this prayer
1: I I'm almost cry laughing here because it, it's it, it's just the life of an interpreter. And I would want pa- preachers to know we're not here to take the spotlight away from you, but we would like you to remember that it's not actually yours, yeah, And so we are here to glorify God with you. We're not telling you what to do. We're going to follow where you go. And they're your notes, they're not ours, so we don't have a clue where you're going next. But it's still the sermon that God gave you to prepare. And we are here to make sure that that is heard and understood and applied by everyone. So maybe we can work on making sure that the spotlight goes on God rather than on any human. And yeah, we know it's awkward. Yeah, we know it's hard. We know it because we've done it but there's a way that it could be even better than it would be otherwise. Sometimes an interpreted sermon is actually better than a monolingual one, and that sounds conceited, but it's just true. A simultaneously interpreted sermon, if you get a really good interpreter, sometimes you can forget you're listening to an interpreter. And I know when I saw interpreting in in Germany once at a big youth conference, and I went, I want to be one of them. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's because I saw, and it was consecutive, it was on stage consecutive, because I saw that through their work, people's lives were getting changed, despite the fact they didn't speak the same language as the preacher. Yeah. And that's why, that's what we're here for. Whose name is on the the notes, we couldn't really care less. We just care whose name is lifted high.
0: For me, I think with simultaneous if we talk about the other face of interpreting right and it's the one I have to work on every Sunday it for me it's always about is it a seamless service not really about did I end at the same time but can people participate just as well as the mm-hmm. monolinguals who are listening to the direct target language right mm-hmm. I mean source source language I always get confused but can they participate as seamlessly? And whenever I come and I ask, and I'm like, hey, how was service? And I'm like, oh it was great. I was understanding everything. And it didn't feel like I was getting interpreted. I'm like, okay, that's the great, greatest compliment you can give me. Love it. I did my job right. And that's what I like to see. Sometimes I know that if I were to go to a class and they heard me interpret, they'd be like, You're stepping on their toes. You're not leaving enough room sometimes. And I'm like, I know I get it. I have to leave more room. But I make those choices to help people feel like they're in a service together, right? Rather than just behind everybody else.
1: My quick tip on sharing the spotlight is to major on partnership whether you're a preacher or, or an interpreter or a church leader, major on partnership. It's not the interpreters are here to take the spotlight. It's not the interpreters are here to take the, the emphasis away. The interpreters are coming here as your friend and as your helper to allow what you're preaching to affect a wider audience. And so if you see them as your partner in preaching, it doesn't mean they have to literally prepare with you but see them as your partner, as someone who's working with you, as someone who's for you, as someone who's on your side. It then becomes obvious what you need to do next to make this work. So major on partnership. Thank you very much for listening to the Church Interpreting Podcast presented by Lauren O'Weasel and Jonathan Downey. If you'd like any more information or support, go to churchinterpreting.com. Thank you for listening.